only has bronchitis. Shit, bronchitis. On eBay, you can buy West on DVD pre-owned for fourteen dollars. That's where I was going to Fourteen. Fourteen dollars and ninety-nine cents. I love how it says pre-owned. So. Yeah. Uh, what does it say? From Bradbury, New South Wales. Uh, Bradbury. Is that a Sydney suburb or something? I have no idea. Uh, and then the comments are in bold, very good condition. <laughs> I love the, uh, you can buy currently four um, DVDs of West on eBay. One was your cheap one, $14.99. And then there's one here they're trying to sell for 50 bucks. Seriously? Yeah, 50 bucks. I know how rare it is, see? <laughs> it says very rare OOP. What the fuck does that mean? Very rare OOP. Out of production. Oh, maybe, <laughs> maybe your DVD's worth something. <laughs> Mine's reasonably good, Nick. I, I'm not a writer, but um, if I was going to write it, I might give it like a 7.5 out fuck. of 10. We're meant to leave DVD it. condition. Oh, okay, good. Because I thought you were rating the movie, but you're just rating the... Uh, oh, no. no. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I was going to say, we could leave that to the end. Uh, what mm. does it say here? <laughs> so when they do the breakdown for the DVD, buddy, you piss off. What's this? 100% good value, 100% entertaining, 100% engaging characters. Uh, the condition is uh, X-Rental, has multiple stickers on both the cover and D DVD disc. DVD has been professionally... Oh, here we go. Read more. Uh, let's see. Oh, DVD has been professionally polished. Ooh. Is they're any... treating it like a serious collector's item. Yeah, guess so. Imagine that. Imagine paying fifty bucks for. Uh... Well, I guess if it's out of production, everything gets rare. If it's out of production, I reckon I bought it off the shelf of a Big W. Yeah, back in Broken Hill in probably two thousand seven, two thousand eight, two thousand and eight. I reckon. Just in the discount bin a year later, <laughs> a year from release. Um, it's one of those ones I bought for like 20 bucks when it was just out. And then like three months later, it was for five bucks in the discount bin. I'm like, ah, oh, I should have waited. All right. So uh, we're here today because we're going to discuss a little uh, Australian film called West 2007. Mm, classic. Classic. So Very much a classic. I don't know. What do you want to discuss? I got to, yeah, I don't know. It's my first time. How was it revisiting it for the first time in 10 years? Uh it was interesting, actually, because we watched it 10 years ago in college. I don't know why we watched it. Uh, <laughs> you just happened to have it on DVD, and this is before streaming services were a thing, so... Probably hung over, draped across the lounges in the flat, I reckon. Yeah, I reckon so, too. Um, was it just you and me watching it, or was there anyone else there? I'm not sure, because I'm sure we've watched it a few times, and other people have come in and out through that time. Yeah, I think a few people like, stuck, stuck their heads in and just like, what are you watching? Didn't recognise yeah. it. Walked straight out. <laughs> yeah. No, I reckon because I'm sure at least once, like Elks would have watched it with us. Um, probably Denny and Emma did at one stage mm. back when they were flat furniture. So what I was going to say is you being a uh, recently ex-smoker, did you uh, want a cigarette after this film? I didn't want one, but I did notice that nearly every scene they've got one or two on the go. Yep. And awkwardly so, <laughs> it almost seemed contrived. Being a smoker and being around smokers for the last 11 years, you know when people, when non-smokers are trying to put it on for mm. cinema or whatever else, and 
Khan in particular, he's bad for it. Doesn't know how to hold a diary properly. It's just awkward. But then he's pretty much awkward in everything he does. So Yeah, so, well, I don't know. I don't know if we have to speak much more about the smoking, but I think in the early noughties or well, mid to late noughties as well, smoking was a big thing in Australian films. Like, mm. you know, people still smoke in Australia. Like, it's fine, whatever. It's legal. Do what you want you know, homemade or spend 40 bucks on a deck. Uh, but it was like super prevalent, like in Australian dramas, everybody smoked in the noughties. It was just like, hey, this is our sort of French cinema. All the Aussies are smoking. But um, no, it was pretty prevalent. Oh, and the other thing too, a product of his time that they were smoking inside the pub. Yeah, I did notice that. I wasn't sure about that because look, I turned 18 in 2007. around mm-hmm. a bit when the film was released. And I'm pretty sure smoking was already outlawed in all pubs before that. Uh, I think each state had its own timeline to to uh, phase it out. Because I know up here in 2008, you could still smoke in the pubs and clubs in 2008. Yep. But I don't think it survived much beyond that. But probably mm. New South Wales, to be honest, they probably filmed the movie a year before. So Yeah, it might have been right on the cusp. Yeah, the de- the glory days of getting singed on the dance floor and... Your clothes smelling like shit and yeah. <laughs> no, it made, made my lungs miss it a little bit. Yeah. No, it's it's interesting. Uh actually no, let's go to oh mate Khan. What's his Khan? <laughs> Do you pronounce his name? I, I kept on saying Chittenden, but it, it's Chittenden, isn't it? I say Chittenden, yeah. Okay, I've been saying Chittenden for the last ten years. <laughs> I thought it was like some sort of German German surname. Unintentional pun or yeah, I think so. I didn't realise now, okay, the one thing that was a thing that I really noticed, that I didn't notice 10 years ago, is Khan's character meant to be slow. Like, I don't I don't know if it was his wooden acting, or I know he's on the arm um, of the diaries, I know he's ripping billies, but yeah. is, is he meant to be actually slow? Like, he's got learning difficulties, or is that just his acting? I think it might be the acting. And I think that's, like, I was trying to figure that out myself, because... You notice it straight away. Mm. I think it might be the wooden acting. And that's one thing I thought, just to deviate for a second, like some of the supporting cast I think did really well acting-wise, but Mm -hmm. the star of the show, Old Mate Khan, was probably worse on for me. Like, just wasn't a fan. But, yeah, when I saw that, thought the same thing. Like, is he trying to be slow or is he trying to be like... Um, lower socioeconomic or something like that. And I thought that's an interesting line to walk because, you know, like where these actors are trying to portray the Sydney inner West, lower socioeconomic sort of areas, they're they're almost treading the line of like mental disability. Like you look at Mm. Khan's character and old mate Mick who got um, skittled while crossing the street. (laughs) (laughs) Haven't heard that one for a while. Yeah, they you wouldn't you wouldn't put it past him, you know, riding the short bus to school. Mm. But yeah, I was wondering that myself. I reckon it's the acting. Ah, uh, yeah, I'd I'd say it's probably his wooden acting. Just because normally in a movie, especially like near the end, it'd be like, oh, remember when he was a child and he was like under the water in the bathtub for, you know, those thirty seconds. You know, like normally they'd have a slight little. If he if he was slow for whatever reason, then they would have mm. some sort of minor backstory and be like, oh, you know, his cousin feels real bad about it because he fell out of that treehouse that they were best friends in, and that's why he um has this sort of extra affection and love for him and really looks out for him. But obviously yeah. that backstory 
wasn't there, but actually it was completely glossed over. The only insight you have to the backstory is a, he's living with his cousin. Um, like the father, when he cracked the shits one time or another said, Oh, I don't know where you fucking went wrong, went wrong with those kids, you know? So obviously she's raised them. Mm. And then he has a, the two minute scene where he's at the fucking graveyard and then crying on his mother's grave. Mm. But you don't know what happened to his mother. You don't know what happened to his father. You don't know how he ended up in his aunt and uncle's care. You don't know anything else really, you know? Yeah. I think they, they didn't do a bad job. I think of setting up Khan and old Maida. What do we call him? Nathan Phillips. What was their names? Nathan Je- Phillips. What's it? Jerry. And what's their characters? Pete. Names? Oh yeah. That's Pete right. And Jerry. Pete, Pete's Khan and uh, Nathan's uh, Jerry. But yeah, like obviously they set it up. Well, I think in the treehouse and other areas, they got their little engraving saying Pete and Jerry, but like, it probably would have been better if there was like a small, I don't know. I was going to say flashback, but to be honest, I think flashbacks are overused now in cinema and especially in television. So I sort of like that they didn't have any flashbacks. It might have cheapened mm. it, but I don't know. Maybe they. I reckon almost yeah. even like a title sequence, not obviously in the vein of Antichrist, but the same sort of thing. Like just <laughs> while the while the intro credits are playing, just have a couple of scenes of the kids, you know, playing together, or maybe something a bit more solemn, like being at a funeral or something or other, but just sort of set it up a little bit more. That said, I did like sitting down to it the first time in 10 years or however however long it was, the intro made me excited. Like it set the tone well. Um, The intro was actually put together really well. Yeah. um, I thought, thought, yeah, it did set the tone well. Good music, nice and sort of atmospheric, I guess. Um, Well paced, but as soon as... Literally, as soon as the characters started talking, it's all downhill. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'd say overall, maybe because I'm biased because we have a bit of a uh, connection to this film for just, I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. uh, we just had good memories watching it. I don't know. Did we? I don't even think we were drinking beers. We were sober when we watched this. So, uh, uh, probably probably had it both ways. Yeah, maybe. I reckon. Uh, but overall, I actually enjoyed this film. I actually did enjoy yeah. it. And I actually thought what I noticed as well, besides we'll probably get, we'll rip back into Khan for being just wooden and, and I don't know if he's done any more. For being Khan. Yeah, for being Khan. Uh, I don't know if he's done any other films since then, but I would say out of everything, when it comes to the cast and the crew and the uh, execution of this film, he is the weakest link, which mm-hmm. is a real for shame. Sure. It's a shame because he's the main character. Um, yeah. And I don't know, there wasn't any scenes where, you know, sometimes if someone's a bit wooden or they're not that great, they always have that one scene where you can see a little bit of, I know, a little glimmer of talent, but yeah. I just, I just didn't get that at all. Yeah. I don't. It was almost uh, like you, you saw the other characters having, you know, those, those natural feeling scenes and interactions and everything else. And it's sort of like they'd bounce off each other a little bit and then like mm. they'd be throwing the ball and catching it. And then they throw the ball to the Khan and it's just like Dario where he just puts his hand out and the ball bounces away. Cause <laughs> he's just didn't pick up what anyone was putting down. You know, it was yeah. always jarring when it came back around to him. I would say for performances, I'll tell you who was a standout for me. You probably won't recognize the name, but I'm pretty sure he's called Michael Dorman and he's the guy yep. who gets hit by the car. Yeah, like he was he was the standout by his yeah he blew everyone else out of the water and you could probably see why he's still acting and the others yeah. aren't he was uh oh mate michael what was he and he was in have you seen the invisible wonderland 
Well, the TV, uh, the TV show. Yeah. Oh, okay, was, yeah. Um, no, no, I haven't seen that the one. main yet. fella in Wonderland. Mm. I think that only lasted a season. But I've seen him in a couple other things. I've also, and this will be one for our watch list, I think. I've also seen him <laughs> in Suburban Mayhem. Have you seen oh, that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, wait, is that with the, like, I, I don't know what you'd call it, trailer trash sort of pregnant suburban girl running around causing havoc? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I have seen that one. What is it? I don't remember him being in it, though. He's the boyfriend who becomes the accomplice. I. Uh, because doesn't she also in that film, which is like clearly identified at the start, she sort of uh, manipulates a slower bloke, but that's mm. not that's not Michael Dorman, is it? I don't think so. I think she's not necessarily a slower bloke, but she's just portrayed as manipulating most men. Like, oh no, she by... does that in yeah, she does that in general, yeah. yeah. But there's yeah. one bloke in like he's definitely got like learning difficulties or something, and she manipulates because he's in love with or whatever. We're not reviewing that. Oh, film. I think, <laughs> I think. Because I watched the trailer earlier today, mm. I think that's actually the guy, the guy that played um, Gary Kenwood, who yeah. got his head caved in in the drain. Anthony Hayes, yeah, good actor, good stuff. Uh, but you know, overall, I'd say Michael was the um, uh, standout by a long shot. Just his level of intensity once he becomes a paraplegic, there's just like a level of intensity in his eyes and performance that just, yeah, it's pretty harrowing. When he's in the hospitals. Speaking of harrowing, it was also harrowing when they're sitting in the drain having the old rape conversation. Yeah, that was pretty. Actually, that was. I don't know it's going to sound really weird, but that was my favourite part of the film. Was that mm. scene? There's something because I think the reason why for me, a the dialogue's solid. It's probably the longest dialogue scene in the film. Um, yeah, and it's sort of and the calmest, up, I think. Yeah, it's, it's oddly it was... calm, and the subject matter is obviously incredibly dark. Uh, but what could I say? It's like, you just don't see it coming. It's just like, oh, yeah, mm. all the other scenes are just like, ha, 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 we're ripping billies and, you know, having smokes and getting on the getting on the piss. But, this, the, yeah. Stacey's hot, eh? Do you want to fuck her? You know, <laughs> like, it's all the, all the tropes. Mm. But all of a sudden, yeah, that came out of left field. Yeah, I think that's what sort of threw me off. And then you're sort of fully engrossed in that conversation uh, yeah because he's just literally talking about well a they're talking about the cycle of just their existence really it's just there's nothing to it and then he's just mm. like well you know i might as well rape someone because my life's shit anyway and you're like fuck and then and he then talk- he caps it off with uh, and then um no matter get how bad it gets you, there's always hope because you can always just kill yourself you're like oh shit yeah I, it's pretty, it was- pretty heavy yeah, mate, it was a, I thought it was, it was a very well um, written scene. I thought the dialogue, it all seemed genuine. I don't know if they're mm. right, the right, because I think the guy who directed it also wrote it. Somehow I feel like he's had that conversation or he's a, at least mm. overheard that conversation because that was, uh, it seemed, it did not seem fake at all. It seemed very genuine. Yeah. It uh, was completely carried by Michael though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think Khan carried anything in this film. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he was just, he was just uh, dead driftwood for the, for the whole film. Only thing he carried was a duffel bag full of drugs. Oh, yeah. Um, no, I really enjoyed that scene. I thought that the dialogue was spot on. There was something sort of, mm. I know, the darkness in men and just sort of the darkness of, I know, living in that sort of situation, just the cycle and... It was weird because his character, because obviously he has a stutter um, mm. and he's got a few other traits and obviously he's clearly on the drugs as well. Um, 
and you sort of just write him off as just being a bit of a bit of an idiot. But mm. like in that scene when he says, "Oh, all you guys think you can escape this, like escape this lifestyle and escape this mm. sort of class system," where I know yeah, he's like, oh, I'm, "It's I'm happy you believe in miracles, but I don't." You know. <laughs> yeah, and was, yeah, I don't know. There was something very harrowing about that conversation. Um, yeah, no, good, good stuff. I'd have to say mm. thumbs up for that scene. Very well executed. Yeah. Oh, actually, no, I can't give it a thumbs up. Can't in it. Yeah. And then it was like juxtaposed by literally the next scene being them, the two of them walking out of a bottle. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> then... Happy, happy as Larry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Coming back to the sort of whether he's portraying someone that's slow or something like that, the conversations that they have just between the boys kind of thing, it's, it's very high school, you know, like it's like mm. they never, never grew up out of that. Like, talking about how hot the women are or, or did you fuck her? What'd you do? Or, yeah, you know, like, oh, my dad goes and sees a pro. He, he says, like, there's even ones that look like Elle McPherson, you know? Like, mm. it's such a, like a 14-year-old kid conversation. Well, that's what I was wondering. Now, what was your thoughts on how old are these two cousins meant to be? Because they're still living I at home. Yeah. How I reckon old? it'd have to be fresh 18 is, is, that, is, is that, yeah, I couldn't work it out. I was like, man, are you guys meant to be like in your 20s or mid-20s? I just couldn't really work it out how old they're meant well, to be. Yeah, because there, there are a couple of things that were sort of opposing each other with that. Like, I guess they're, they're portrayed as like they're perennial fuck-ups. So you could understand them living at home and being a bit older. Yeah, just like the level of maturity, them living at home, everything else pointed towards them being like young as the drinking age was kind of thing but then at the same time there's a few things that point towards him being older like he's obviously been drug dealing for a while mm. you'd think um he's had a bit of practice of that a good few years worth or whatever they seem like regulars at the pub everyone knows him there and everything else i don't know i never really quite put my finger on it either yeah i'd say that at least be 22 and older just because mm. normally if you're 18 or 19 uh, normally, especially the women, they still keep talking about high school. Uh, and, yeah, and, true. You, and there's no mention of, you know, what did you get for your year 12 results? And, you know, oh, I, I didn't pass. And there's no sort of mention of year 12. or whether Do you it, reckon that, any of them went to year 12? <laughs> well, I was thinking that as well. Maybe they just bombed out of year 10. But there's no yeah. mention of their education. You're just assuming they just don't have any. Yeah, I reckon uh, they're the kind of people that were never really at school when they were at school, and then mm. once it was gone, that was just the end of it. Yeah, we'll finish off of our mate Michael Dorman quickly. Uh, you know how he gets hit by the car? Mm. Very impressive. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it was very impressive for like a little indie film. But then I, when I saw that scene, because obviously you and I and myself, uh, well, we are the same two people, but uh, there's a lot of Australian films where people randomly just get knocked off by cars like unex <laughs> unexpectedly like i can already think of so that one's a good example uh, probably the earliest one i can remember was two hands with heath ledger someone mm -hmm. just gets knocked off by a car uh yeah. and also i don't know if you've seen samson and delilah but that comes out of nowhere they're just walking across the street and the camera's positioned so obviously the car's just out of sight out of frame um yeah. and and then, um, well, I won't ruin a few, but uh, <laughs> clearly Samson or Delilah does get hit by a car. Um, <laughs> and there's also a famous uh, Joel, Joel and uh, Nash Edgerton, they have a short film called Spider. 
And in that short film as well, is the same sort of setup is that it completely blindsides you the way they've set up yeah. the shot and it just comes out of nowhere. So it's interesting. And that's, and all those films are generally within a, I'd say less than a 10 year period. So hmm. Nord- Nordies were famous for heaps of smoking, uh, heap, heaps of breasts. They got them all out there in the Nordies uh, hmm. and a lot of random. Uh, Shout out to Gillian there. <laughs> yeah no it's good stuff i i won't uh yeah no it's good <laughs> <laughs> yeah i wouldn't say no um no. i was gonna say yeah you threw on me off my game oh, fuck lost my train of thought <laughs> the naughties were famous for oh um, yeah yeah, yeah. They're, they're famous for stuff who knows we'll, <laughs> we'll just we'll just cut that last 30 seconds out to make ourselves sound smarter um what else? I should probably written a list about what we want to talk about. Uh, what did you think about uh, the old mate, the drug dealer? What was his name Steve? He's my next favourite character. Your second MVP. I'm a fan. Of, yeah, I'd say purely because I'm not going straight on the acting chops or whatever. I'm just my gut feeling. I'd say he's my favourite character. He um, pips Mick for me. Mm. I, yeah, I, I'm a fan of Steve. What I liked about this film, and I think Steve delivers most of them, is that there's, and, and this happened also in the noughties as well, there was just a lot of dark Australian humour. Like mm. All the humour in the show, I mean, this movie is incredibly dark, but it actually is quite funny, especially with that scene where old mate Khan bashes to death Anthony Hayes, and then the drug dealer the next day, they're just looking over the tunnel and the police are there, and he's like, bloody hell, we're never going to get that money back now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that yeah. real that real dark Aussie humor that I just don't think we do anymore, which is a real shame because it is pretty funny. Yeah, um, and that's and the scene that's straight afterwards, which seems a bit jarring because you go from that scene at the tunnel, which is like got the establishing establishing shot and all that, and then they just cut to them randomly in the rain. There's like no mm. le- there's no lead into it. It's not like them in the car. Then it starts raining or it's overcast. It's just like bang straight away. They're standing in the rain, and I'm like, why? Why wouldn't they yeah. go to the awnings or why wouldn't they just go inside the house? It just seemed like they just thought, oh, hey, this scene has to be dramatic, so make it rain. But it just seemed very just jarring and, and out it, of place. doesn't explain where they are as well. Like, we're sh- obviously we're shooting had... it's her house, I guess. Yeah, I, I guess so. But then yeah. if it's her house, why wouldn't they just go inside, you know? like Yeah, and we don't why, know her. Why would they just stand in the car park out the front? Maybe it would be nice. I know it's it's only got a hundred minute runtime, but it would have been nice maybe to get a quick glimpse into her life, like to see what her mum mm. does, if her mum's in the picture or her dad, because she would be a character that you could sort of explore a tiny bit more, give her a little bit of a backstory. I think we yeah. just have to assume that they all have just pretty mediocre parents or non-existent parents and and that's yeah. that. And that's why the cycle of, you know, violence and abuse, drug abuse and all that continues. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought that was a bit of a jarring scene, but the funniest thing was, uh, when they're talking about, I'm not going to tell anyone about this murder, you know, the worst we'll ever get is one or two years, which by the way, is a very short amount of time for murder. And, yeah. and then old mate just yells out out of nowhere, fucking any time of jail's too long. <laughs> I was like, mate, if you go to jail for one year for murder, that's a, that's a pretty good wicket. Yeah. I don't know. He. There was a panic in his voice, like maybe he's been there before and he was tampered with or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
Yeah, you always wonder with that sort of supporting cast like that, Blake, is he just like a local stage actor in New South Wales or is he just somebody actually from that community? Because he was convincing enough know. either way, really. Yeah, he's, he's one of those people that, and it was always the case for me, he's got a familiar face, but I don't know if I've seen him in anything else. I think it's just the, the kind of bloke he is, okay, I guess. Mm. I'm going to have a quick search and look him up. Um <laughs> Steve from West, what's he doing now? Mm. Um, West does have a Wikipedia page. page did you yeah. come across that? Uh, I think I did see one, but I didn't look at it. I just didn't want to. Well, most Wikipedia pages for films have like a plot or a synopsis. Oh, yeah. This has just the premise, which is like not even a paragraph. It's one <laughs> sentence premise. It's just like, oh, uh, two cousins fall in love with the same girl. Um mm. But then it had like external links at the bottom and it had the West IMDB page, the West Rotten Tomatoes page, which is incomplete, and the West MySpace page. It's pretty damning. Well, I'll tell you what we should have found out is how much this movie cost to make, which I would assume uh, it had proper funding from the Australian, uh, what did it I don't know what, what the, they used to be called something else. Australian Film Finance, it was something like that. However, box office for West fifty seven thousand four hundred seventy two dollars at the box office in Australia, which is nothing. Like yeah. they wouldn't that like this movie would have cost at least a mil. Who knows? Um, mm. Sometimes these movies can cost between two to six million. Um, I'm I'm just guessing now. I have no idea how much this movie costs, but probably be at least a mil. I reckon. Um, and grossing 57,000, fucking hell. Uh, yeah. He's been in a bit, old mate. Steve. What, Steve? Yeah, mostly a TV actor. Mm. But from sort of like late 80s all the way through to 2015, like B or C grade stuff. I looked up the director, Daniel Kriege, or Kriege. Uh, it, it looks like he, the only film he ever directed, feature film-wise, was West. So Ooh, that's that's pretty damning. That is damning. I think mainly because, yeah, I'm getting I'm getting tired. My brain isn't so sharp. We should have done this earlier. <laughs> that's right. I'm gonna I'm gonna edit the last five minutes out anyway. Not out, but you know, like sharpen it up. Um, yeah. But yeah, well, mate, the Australian well, not just the Australian film industry. The film industry in general is tough. You make your first feature film. You spend years just pouring your love, heart, and soul into it, writing it getting the finance together, getting the right crew together. People pull out last minute. Then you have to chuck in your good mate Khan to, to get the film, <laughs> film over, <laughs> get the, film over yeah. the line. And then um, when it's all said and done is you make $57,000 profit against a, at least a $1 million you know, budget. And then that's it. You're finished. You don't get a second chance. So yeah. it, it is. All of a sudden you're $950,000 in debt. Well, it's covered by the Australian taxpayer, so he's probably not too concerned about that, but he's probably more concerned that he doesn't get a second opportunity to make a film. Because overall, I would say this this actually wasn't a bad film. Yeah, There are some films, like many, many films, that were box office flops and then find a cult following somewhere or another. This, um, was, this was not that film. This was not that film. <laughs> <laughs> but it could have been. It could just as easily have been. Yeah. Uh, um, I was going to say, but I well. do feel like coming back to square one. I feel like the the weakest link was Khan Chittenden. 
Yeah. And it's not like it's his first gig at acting either. He's been in a, a fair bit of stuff. What, recently? Recently or before this film? A uh, bit of both. Please tell me I don't he's think got a... he's had. I don't think he's had an illustrious career by any means. Please tell uh, me he's got an Instagram account. What's he up to? Must be in his 40s or something. 40s, 50s? Well, Gillian Alexi is born in 1986. Oh, okay. So they're so not really... Here's my uh, brother. He is born in 1983. He's 37. Oh, okay. Man, I'm feeling old. He was born... He was born in 1983 in New Zealand. Oh, so that's right. So we can get him deported then. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll tell you what I overall enjoyed about this film, maybe because that's where cinema has been for the last five, six years, but there was something just, and at the time I probably, in 2007, I wouldn't have said this, but for now it, Movies, <laughs> movies now, I would say generally feel very sanitized. They're all very safe. They're all very squeaky clean. It's like, we don't want to offend anyone. And then at the end of the day, you end up with like a very painfully generic product, like generic, yeah. so I shouldn't say product, generic film. And there's something about this film, like that, that conversation about rape, um, the conversation really wasn't about rape. It was more about their sort of situation um, yeah. and their sort of, societal sort of circumstances but looking for a way out one way or another man, i just don't think you could have that conversation in a film now mm-hmm. uh there's certain things when i was watching it i was just like oh they're like some of the sex scenes and all the drug taking and i'm like you know what there's a lot of stuff here where i just don't think the australian um state film offices or the federal film office would actually fund this type of project anymore not saying because you know it won't make money but they'll just be like oh no everything has to be that Disney Corporation, everything has to be squeaky clean. Nobody can swear. Oh, no, don't say those words anymore. No, I'll offend these people. Or, you know, don't smoke, don't take drugs, don't. But guess what? In reality, people say and do these things all the time. Yeah. So it's it's weird that well, we that, live in... Yeah. It's, it's a slippery slope, but that sort of draws back to the argument with... Um, what's the huge West Wild West actor? John Wayne became a director. And then all of a sudden, last year or the year before, he was cancelled in the new cancel culture mm. because he didn't cast black people in prominent roles. But he's like, then he made a comment saying, well, black people weren't in prominent roles back then. I cast them as slaves because back in the West in the 1800s or whatever they were, they were slaves, mm. you know. Are you talking but, about John Wayne? Because John Wayne's been a long time dead. So who, who's, who, Sorry? But I'm pretty he, sure it was John Wayne. But it was, someone's talking on his behalf, though, because he's been dead for it ages. It must be cancelling the estate of... But, like, that's what I mean. That they take no prisoners. You tarnish the reputation of, um, you know, one of the film industry's most prominent actors ever mm. um, because he was typecasting people for the era that he was betraying in his films. Mm. You know, like, where do you draw the line there? I suppose you could go down the rate of something like Django Unchained or something like that, but in Django Unchained, that was an anomalous thing, you know? Like, you didn't have uh, a lot of black guys going around charging around like White Earp or anything. just wasn't mm. wasn't the case. Yeah, that was just a revenge tale, obviously mostly fictional as well from all yeah. accounts. But, um, no, it was just interesting. I just found it very refreshing to watch a movie where, like you know, you and I, we've met people like this. Like, we're not friends. Yeah. We're, not, we're not friends with these type of people, but they definitely exist. Did you see 
there was there was one comment. I didn't read the reviews, but I've read on the Rotten Tomatoes page there were like the first paragraph of three different reviews. There's one bit I gleaned from that which I was pretty happy with. Mm. Um, it was on a negative review as well, so it was pretty funny. But it said that if people think that this story or the acting is exaggerated, all they need to do is take a ride in public transport. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, I did. I did see that review. When I, it's funny yeah. when I, with the opening scene of just Almeida, what's it? I keep forgetting names. Jerry, Jerry, and Pete. That um, with that opening scene, I was like, mate, these two are the original Damo and Darren. No, have you seen that cartoon? Damo. Yeah. Damo. You always pocket me fucking lighter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I thought that but was. No, cool. seriously, like even even in Broken Hill, I was down at the the shopping centre at the plaza the other day, and there were guys in the car park that were like Pete and Jerry, you know, like they they'd obviously been on the glass barbecue a little bit, their teeth were falling away. <laughs> glass barbecue, I've never heard that before. Yeah, <laughs> it's that's... pretty common down these parts. Oh, that's great. But um, yeah, their teeth were falling away. They were trying to like pass their coins between each other to save up for a packet of durries because they're a lot cheaper in 2007 than they are now, I'll tell you that much. Mm. Um, but yeah, like all you got to do is walk down the street, you'll find people like Pete and Jerry. Oh, for sure. Um, and, it's, and especially in those bigger cities too, like sitting in Melbourne, you don't have to go far yeah. to see people just burnt out on drugs or disaffected yeah. by their circumstances. And and guess what? They're, they're not these squeaky clean corporate images that we're all meant to be projecting now. Mm. Um, it's, yeah. this, it's weird thing now with social media, the way that people project themselves, they're not actually projecting themselves as human, they're projecting themselves as like a product. Is like, you know, my name is Jessica and I believe blah, blah, blah. And I do this and I do that. And I give this. And you're sort of just like, are, you're not talking like a human. You're just, you're, you're selling yourself. Like you're selling yourself like a company and there's no human qualities about it. And it's just, I don't know. It's yeah, very, yeah. I don't know if these times are going to change, but I hope so. Um, mm -hmm. I'll just, I'll just read you out one more thing and we'll probably wrap it up in a tick. So there's a review from 2007. So shit, he must've seen it at the cinema. So this guy would have been pissed <laughs> off. So he, the title is called Waste is more like it as opposed to West. Anyway, yeah. I'll just read out the first few sentences. He just says, another film made about Sydney's so-called disaffected, boring youth who apparently are uneducated, mean, self-indulgent, lazy, and completely unrepresentative of Australia. Nobody in the public asked for this film to be made. And when released in three cinemas, none of which were in the Western suburbs because the distributor knew already nobody, nobody West would see it. It was a complete financial failure again and again and again, wasting public taxpayer funds, which were spent in quotes, creating this turgid drivel. This film has, <laughs> this film has no market. So he, he keeps banging on for another fuck, he keeps going. But that's my main gripe with a lot of Australian films. Obviously, you love Australian films. I love Australian films. I'm a pretentious film student. but So I'll watch anything. You and I will watch anything. However, at the end of the day, for this film, who is the market? And, you know, you don't have to be ultra-specific, but, like, is this the market for date night? Two 18-year-olds <laughs> to date night? Or is this for GMA and GPART, you know, two 80-year-olds to go and see? Or is this for people in their 40s who are lawyers, you know, in, in, in the, you know, ritzier parts of Sydney, like who's this, what's the market? What's the market for this film? Who's it for? I honestly don't think, I 
there is a market. You know, like, <laughs> I think that's that was demonstrated by its box office reception. But um, I really don't know. I think it'd, it'd be the kind of thing, like if I was back in Adelaide, I would expect if West hit the cinema circuit, I would have to go to Palace Nova to watch it or something like that. You know, one of the smaller independent cinemas. Oh, I yeah, don't sure. expect to see it in VMAX at, you know, um, all the chain cinemas. It's, but... it's funny It's funny you mentioned Palace Nova because I'm pretty sure in the credits, they're in the credits, Palace Nova. So they must, yeah, right. have, they must have given some distribution money for it. Um, but yeah, well, that's, that's my main gripe. It's like, yeah, fuck, I'll watch it. But, and to be honest, I actually did enjoy it. I, I, uh, yeah. I, I don't know what I'd rate it out of 10 because I'm too biased for this film because we have the 10-year the history, 10-year <laughs> mm. anniversary of watching this film. So I, I have no idea what I'd rate it out of 10. And to be honest, I'm a bit soft in Australian films because, I don't know, can you kick a dog while it's down? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There, there were so many things in it and just as entertaining as I found it 10 years ago, mm. there were things in it that were... It's it's not a family friendly comedy or anything like that. It's mm. far from it. But in trying to be so serious, there's a couple of things where they just miss the mark, and mm. it's laugh out loud funny. You know, like a few of the throw throwaway lines here. Which here which and there. which uh, which parts are you referring to? Here I'll refer to my notes because I did <laughs> write some quotes down. Oh, excellent. Um, but like s- some of the just the dialogue towards the start even like it's it's obviously trying to be very Australian because like if you can't mm. tell by their accents it's being filmed in Australia so they walk into the pub talking about like oh is she going to be there or whatever else and then she you see her walk in the bar and it's like oh g'day Cheryl you know <laughs> like mm. Cheryl could have picked a different name and then I, I, thought the names like, were, oh. I thought the names were quite interesting like Pete and Jerry how many Jerry's yeah. How many Jerry's have you ever met in this country? So let's just rattle them off because it's like I don't think there's any name longer than two syllables. Mm. There was there was Pete, Jerry, mm. Mick, Steve, Gary, Stacy, and Cheryl. Mm. That was it, I'm pretty sure. That's all the name cast that I can think of. Yeah, they were a bit but, random, I thought, yeah. the names. Uh, but yeah, then she walks into the pub... And she's like, oh, you know, put a smile on me face. And he's like, oh, I'll put a smile on your face. A horse walks into a bar. <laughs> you know? And oh, yeah, the that barman one. said, yeah. why the long face? <laughs> you know, why, why the long Because of horses, its face, <laughs> it's long. Uh, I it's just like yeah. bad. And then she... Obviously, he tells he can tell that the joke's fizzled, so then he just like leans into whisper in his ear and he's like, Oh, so, um, you, you're here for dope? How much do you want? You know, like, and it's mm. just ham fisted, like, that's that's contrived dialogue. Yeah, I gotta admit, that's that's probably the only scene that didn't sit well with me, just purely because the execution was just just shit house, bad. <laughs> Uh, yeah. And and also and that's I, like the yeah. the first foot they put forward. That's within the first five minutes of the film. Mm. I, I I did like how that scene was filmed. I like the close-ups of Khan, and I don't know if you noticed, but when he's the looking transitions at, when she's walking in. Yeah, the transitions when it's just like obviously you see her face with and she's with her friends. Someone it, passes across, and then it's the breast, and then passes yeah. across, then, then it's, it's the mini skirt. Yeah, skirt line. I thought that was yeah. the editing and the shots in that sequence was. Unfortunately, the 
production crew, sorry, not the production crew, sorry, the dialogue didn't match the production crew for that scene. The, the editing and the DP was sharp as for that scene. It was great. It was a great sort of introduction of her character and clearly his longing for her. Uh, there's also some really good sound design too in the background. Uh, I don't know, it's sort of, I think it's all digital. I don't know if there was actually anything instrumental. And then it then it faded into rock. And then you saw the guys, like the thugs over at the bar. But that whole scene was constructed really well, but it's completely let down by just this moronic conversation about a, a, yeah. a very tiresome joke. And I guess probably the writer and director was just like, yeah, but that's the point because he's shit-faced and he thinks he's so funny and... Um, and he's not meant to be, and it's meant to be cringy, but I don't know. It was just maybe just too cringy for no yeah. reason. Like again, know, it's it's one of those things that maybe you have to be shit faced while you're watching it for it to make any sense. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah. I don't. I think maybe the start of the film is probably the weakest point for me because it goes from that, and then like um, again, you can tell it's trying to be a bit more realistic but sort of just misses the mark in some things you know so you've got these two cousins that are obviously knocked around forever in a day and then like they're talking about wanting to root the same girl and then all of a sudden jerry takes cheryl home for the night and then pete goes out and gets bashed by the way gary kenwood's mates also good supporting cast for me <laughs> like just a couple of blokes standing around in skullets with half their teeth and tattoos like rolling cigarettes while they're shit talking you know yeah yeah, I, uh, yeah. oh no i haven't got any money i blew it all on the pokies you know <laughs> yeah i'm sure those um, guys weren't none of them were actors i'm sure they just went no, to local, yeah. local pub ducked their head and be like oh do you guys want a quick 25 bucks like yeah sure why not yeah <laughs> um so i thought they were pretty good but then um yeah, obviously, Khan gets the shit beaten out of him and gets robbed and then wakes up in the morning with, a, with an old dinger hanging over his face then cops a couple of slaps with it. <laughs> yeah, didn't, didn't you think that scene was weird? Like, I get what it was trying to yeah. set up, but at the same time, so Nathan Phillips carried, for some reason, I just don't see his character using Frangers at all. So I yeah. thought it was weird that he had a condom to begin with. But so what? He carried a condom all the way from this underground tunnel all the way back home just as what? As a trophy? As a like, keepsake? Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's it's your income. What the hell are you doing? Yeah. And that's that's what I mean. Like, put it put it this way. You and I, we went to, we went to college. We've, <laughs> we've been around a lot of stupid drunk people doing stupid drunk things mm. and, like, a lot of us have seen things we shouldn't have seen, um, particularly of each other. Never have I once considered slapping you in the face with one of my used condoms. Not Twice. once. Yeah, well, and I'm glad it never happened to me with anyone I'm, either. I'm glad too. Um, yeah. I, so much, the scene didn't offend me or anything. Like, I thought it sort of opened up just sort of, I don't know, what's just the sort of characters. It's just like, yeah, they weren't afraid really, you know, sex, drugs and rock and roll. They don't shy away from mm. sex or drugs and everything in between yeah. the only thing that didn't make any sense was like that scene would have worked if khan was in the tunnel but the fact that nathan what kept his jizz filled condom and what bought it in a night took two trains home <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah i don't know interesting uh yeah it was a bit strange yeah but like and then it sort of five minutes later it's just evolved into the same sort of you know like the the high school conversation of like oh yeah what was she like? Oh, yeah, she was pretty good, eh? No, she was really good, mm. tight as, eh? You know, like, she was heaps tight. And it's like, I don't know if that's 
character building or, or whatever you want to call it, but mm. it's not substantial dialogue either. It's just the same shit getting hashed over again and again. You know, you yeah. could, I guess you could argue both ways. The writer would be like, yeah, but that's the point though. That's all they talk about. That's their existence. There's nothing, there's nothing more to it. You've heard it all. It's just on repeat. Um, actually, one thing that I wouldn't mind looking at is just finally the ending. What, what did you think of the ending? Uh, well, yeah, what's what's a go with the ending, really? Do you think they ran out of ideas or they just didn't know how to end it? Or it, everything sort of ties up quite nicely going into the third act, like burning down the cubby house. And I liked how everything escalated really quickly. The the drug dealer, Steve, old mate is just super paranoid now. So he's just like, he's leaving town and everything, you know, she's pregnant now. So everything escalates. Nice, um, nice little quote from Khan in there too. Maybe I'm paranoid, but everywhere I look, I see cops. <laughs> yeah, that was I a sort pretty, of, pretty funny line. I do agree. Like, it, it was all progressing pretty well at that point. Mm. And then you see things spiral out of control for Jerry, who was the one who was, you know, getting his shit together. Um, he had the job and he was falling in love and wanted to, like, do right by Cheryl and whatever. And like he said, when he found out she was pregnant, he was um, had the, that wave of happiness pass over him. And then things turned to shit pretty bloody quick when he found out that she thought it might be his best friend slash cousins. Mm. But then from that point onwards, it, it annoyed me a little bit. Like you've got Jerry there who obviously, well, you can see regardless of the, the background or the hand he was dealt or, or anything else, he's trying to make a go of it. And then again, after getting dealt such a shit hand, he, he tries to, to polish a turd in, in um, ringing the police, admitting to the crime that he, he hasn't committed and then jumping in front of a train. So he, he effectively tries to tie a bow on everything. So there's no loose ends. I'm going to give Pete and Cheryl the best chance at whatever it is they've got. And then after that, the next day, Pete just walks into the police station and dubs himself in for the crime that, his cousin just admitted to and killed himself for, mm. you know, like it, it seems like his confession slash suicide meant nothing after that. I guess mm. like you could look at it in a couple of ways, like, but it doesn't really expand upon it. Cause if you look at Pete dubbing himself into prison, uh, into the cops to go to prison as an attempt to repent for his own um, indiscretions or whatever you want to call them and then move on from there. I can understand that, but it devotes literally no time on that. He mm. confesses, he wakes up in prison, and then all of a sudden Cheryl's in the in the visiting room, and then that's pretty much it. But it, it's pretty funny, I thought, when they were sitting at the, the visiting room table and, you know, prison hasn't limbered him up any, he's still as wooden as ever. <laughs> but yeah, she well. says, you know, like, oh, you can feel it kicking, and and rah, rah, and then oh, he says nothing mm. and then oh I, I found out it's a boy and the first literally the first thing he says to her after she's come to visit him in prison is what are you going to call it yeah his line delivery is terrible in the film it's shocking yeah yeah and then she's like oh, i don't know any ideas and you're obviously they're thinking they're gonna, it's going to be called jerry for sure mm. Mm. but you can just, there's this moment, I don't know if you picked up on it the same as me, like they have that dialogue, like, oh, it's a boy, what are you going to call it? I don't know, do you have any ideas? And then he's dead silent again after like 
like you said, the shitty line delivery and everything else. And you see this moment of a look in in Cheryl's face, like, oh my fucking God, I've ended up with this fuckwit for the rest of my life. <laughs> you know, she's sort of looking away and like, oh my God, what have I got myself into? And then he does the awkward, like, takes 10 seconds to reach across the table and touch your hand kind of thing. It's meant to be poignant and moving. That's what that scene is all about. And again, Khan misses the mark. But... <laughs> um, I don't know. Like with that ending though, yeah. So obviously th- the thing I couldn't get over, I guess from Pete's perspective, he didn't know that Jerry confessed to the police, I guess, because he wasn't there for that scene. Don't forget. So even though old mate, he just thinks Jerry's killed himself because, um, you know, he feels so hard done by by his cousin because obviously it could be um, his child and all that. So he he just thinks he killed himself purely because for him, like Jerry thinks he did it because of him. And then that's why he confesses because he thinks he should be punished, blah, blah, blah. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. completely un- <laughs> completely undoes what uh, Jerry does. But um, I don't I know. Because I feel like... I feel like it'd be, it'd hit the news pretty quickly that old mates can, like, there's been a murder locally and then there's obviously been a suicide and, oh, hey, the the suicide just rang the police minutes beforehand and confessed to this crime. I I feel like it would have been on the news because he didn't immediately dub himself into the police. Like, he was still at home long enough to pick up the old singed bottle of passion pop out of the cuppy ruins. Um I don't know why the passion pop in particular was the thing that he picked out of the ruins, but yeah, you know. what was the go with that? I was, yeah, because firstly, good on passion pop for making an appearance. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, yeah, I didn't get it because there was a scene where they showed passion pop. Maybe he's just picking it up as like an artifact or something. But there was no, as far as I'm aware, there was no uh, deeper meaning to a eight dollar bottle of passion pop. There's no real significance to it. No, like you can see that was the. You know, their base of operations where they were growing up and they, like, they had the old Gatorade saxophone sitting there next to a couple of bottles of empty passion pop and that's where they knocked around being the troublesome teens. But Sorry, did you say, um, ga- did you say Gatorade saxophone? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that before. Fucking hell. Yeah. Uh, that's good. Just... <laughs> um <laughs> But, yeah, like, that was where they sort of knocked around being general delinquents. And so that cubby house, and they talk about the the blood pact that they made and rah-rah, the cubby house meant a lot. But of everything in that cubby house, I don't know why he picked up the bottle of Passion Pop. Mm. And, like, obviously things get destroyed in a fire and everything else, but there's this big pile of rubble in front of you. I could understand you picking up a bottle of Passion Pop but he picked it up and he contemplated it, you know, like it was, it was quite, the scene was quite focused on this bottle. And then all of a sudden you hear like the mother breaking down in the background mm. and everything. And I tell you what he, I tell you what he should have picked up from the uh, burnt out cubby house. The dinger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry's used contour. He just like, yeah. Looks at it, looks at it, heartbroken, lovingly, and he, squ- he squeezes it. I was, I was going to say, he just gives himself a like a slap or two across the cheek for old times' sake. Uh, that would happen in some dramas where they just sort of do that. Um, what's it called? Self-flagellation. They're just yeah. whipping themselves. He just does it across the face with a used condom, <laughs> and he gets three or four out of it before it bursts. 
<laughs> mate, if he did, if he did that, that would, that would have made the movie ten out of ten. That's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, my main issue with the ending is. I, re- I remember originally watching it and just thinking, man, that is just the dumbest ending. And I just didn't know how to actually like conclude the story. But mm. I just think what's dumb now is just, do you think, uh, oh, mate, Jerry, Nathan Phillips, that his motivation is there? Do you think it's really contrived that he killed himself to save his dead shit cousin? Like, I... to me personally, like there's not, a, like there's backstories. Yeah, they're tight, but you yeah. could clearly tell Jerry. Uh, oh shit! I think I, I keep mixing up Jerry and Pete. I'll just call him Nathan Phillips and fucking Khan because I, I keep forgetting their names. <laughs> anyway, so obviously Khan's a dead shit, um, yeah. but Nathan Phillips can get his life together. Clearly, like he was, he had his job. He was working at Yumbo Yumbo Chicken, <laughs> yeah, the worst fictional chicken shop I've ever heard of. Um, <laughs> and you can see their hats is just a bit of orange cardboard like glued to the top oh, of the peak mate, cap. They would have bought it from Spotlight that day of shooting. It was shocking. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, so I just thought it was really contrived that um, more or less Nathan Phillips' character, like, yeah, maybe, I don't know, him dobbing himself into Orinous. this and then killing himself. I just thought, mate, yeah, you, you love Khan, but but what backstory was there that you loved him that much you would sacrifice your own dignity, your name, your family's name, yourself, mm. your, your girlfriend's relationship. You're leaving the world off in a worse place. Like maybe he's just emotionally fucked up and that's why he did it. That that can happen to some blokes. But I just yeah. think it was very contrived and there wasn't enough justification for what he did. I I think it's three quarters away there and you can sort of see them trying to like usher it in that direction because they have the scene where he's about to jump on a train and leave, mm. go wherever. Or he might have been contemplating suicide at that point already. I don't know. Either I th- way. I, I thought he was already contemplating suicide at the platform. That, in yeah. my opinion. I reckon, yeah, that's what how, so that's how I took it. Pete grabs Jerry by his shirt pocket and then pulls him down into the canal for one more VB, you know. <laughs> and then they have the conversation, like, obviously what's happened. Like, Pete got Jerry sacked from Yumbo. So his, <laughs> his career is gone. Yeah. Then Cheryl's pregnant and he was happy for a second, but then he realised it could be Pete. So his best mate's been rooting his missus as well. So his relationship's gone. He's got no income, can't get the doll and a kid on the way. So he's life's fucked. So, so I why, think... Why, it, wait, why can't he get the doll? I know he says that in the movie. It, yeah, but they glossed over that. It's a very flippant it's, remark. What does his parents yeah. say? Too much? <laughs> like, what's the It's backstory? very much a throwaway line. I don't know why... Um, but yeah, I, I did wonder about that myself because it's just thrown into that part of the conversation. You see nothing about him, you know, standing in the Centrelink line or anything like that mm. um, or getting knocked back. But I don't know what the case is there. Um, but he's basically painting the picture that everything for him is fucked. Like mm. he was in love with this girl. Um, he was really happy. But then blah, blah, blah. Kid might not be his. The job's gone. He can't look after the kid anyway because he's got no money, blah, blah, blah. So I think at that point, he's still pretty much resolute that he's going to kill himself. Then in that conversation, um, Pete admits that he killed Gary Kenwood and he was the one that did it and blah, blah, blah. So then by the time he leaves and decides to get on with killing himself, he thought, oh, I might throw Peter Bone here and just, you know, confess to the crime before I jump. Mm. Don't know. But it, I'm not saying it's... Um, 
smooth by any means, but I think it's three quarters away there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like they just thought, oh, hey, we're clearly not going to make a sequel to this. <laughs> so yeah. let's, let's just like do whatever. And that's that's fair enough. But it, it's interesting because um, obviously we know how the movie was going to end because we'd seen it before. But I guess the mm-hmm. biggest gripe that a lot of people who don't watch a lot of Australian cinema or, you know, all they have is a Marvel diet. There's no real clear goal in this film. Yeah. Uh, normally in movies, it's like, oh, hey, we need to get the treasure and, you know, and then you can add deeper meanings to it, blah, blah, blah. But in a lot of these little Australian indie dramas, there's no there's no uh, pre-designed or there's no goal to obtain. It's just like yeah. ev- events keep happening. Um, so I think that's yeah. it almost... I was thinking about it earlier. You're talking about yesterday the difference between, um, say, Interstellar versus Gravity. One's very plot driven, and the other one's an experiential film. Mm. You basically sit there and experience it. Yeah. I think West is the same sort of thing, and it's not like like all everyone else has said, more or less. It's a bleak experience. You know, it's hard going. It's not easy. It's not happy, but mm. it's an experience. But that's where. I think it's hard to draw the line with that being, and I think it's not helped by the performances, but it's hard to draw the line where it's, it becomes almost a caricature of what they're trying to betray. You know what I mean? Like um, it, it does, parts of it do seem a bit contrived and a bit forced. I don't know. I would say overall that the thing that this movie does really well is two things. The atmosphere is great. Uh, so mm-hmm. that general sense of brooding and sort of the the unknown. I guess it is a coming of age tale, even though they're really like in their early to mid twenties, which is still coming of age, but not normally how young they show that sort yeah. of stuff. But um, yeah, they get that. The atmosphere is great. I reckon it's just sort of that general bit of helplessness and sorry, not helplessness, hopelessness, and just the cycle continues. Um, mm. And the pacing was really good. I, I noticed that none of the scenes ever felt rushed uh, and they always, they never overstayed their welcome. It's like they're at the yeah. bar talking, bang, next scene. It never felt fast or slow. To me, overall, I thought the pacing was great. Uh, the, like I said, the only thing that was jarring was when they were in the rain for <laughs> for dramatic yeah. reasons. But besides that, yeah. the, the, the pacing was actually really good. There was never bits where it's like, fuck, no, this is dragging on. Or, wow, that was too quick, what they were talking about. So it was, it was yeah. a nice little pace. Um, uh, what was I going to say, overall, what would you give it out of 10? Um, is this a... A biased rating or an objective rating? Well, we can do whatever you want. So 10 obviously being a masterpiece and zero just being, I don't know, just a wet wet piece Let's, of toast. I'd give it a, a six. Yep, 60%. All right, I feel yep. you. Around I, about I, there. I don't know because I've got this real soft spot for Australian films and I don't know. I don't know what I'd give it out of 10. I'll just say I'd give it a thumbs up. For now, I'll, I'll give it a thumbs up. Meaning yeah. that I actually did, on the, I did enjoy this film. I thought it was On the binary cool. scale, it's a one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the only thing is, though, so yeah, we'll break it down into two things. We'll say what we, uh, do we like it? And also, who would you actually recommend this film to? I would recommend it personally to people that I know get a laugh out of the same things I get a laugh out of, you know, like dark, I, I dark, dark humor. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. wouldn't recommend it to someone based on the merit of its, its own 
drama or narrative, mm. but I would recommend it as an experience because um, I know I still enjoy it. Um, but I I go in not expecting to like lock myself into a moving drama. I go in to expect a and like a solid film that I know I'm going to laugh at as well. And and it's not it's not the kind of film I'm laughing with. It's the film I'm laughing at. And I think that's the performance is more than anything point itself towards that. Mm. Which is a shame because it, it could have been better. I think the, the two main weaknesses are A, the, the lead performances mm. and B, the ending sort of fizzles out a bit for me. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know. Yeah. So wait, when you say lead performances, are we just purely talking about Khan or are you talking about all my Nathan Phillips as well? I think Nathan did well. Mm. Um, I think like I've seen Gillian and Alexi in a couple of different things. And yeah, I think be, this, be definitely, this definitely isn't her strongest performance either. Um, mm. I don't know. She, she just tries, I think they're all trying to do it because they're all trying to portray a certain sort of stereotype of a, of a socioeconomic group. Mm. And some of them get away with it and some of them don't. And there's the ones like you look at, old mate Steve the drug dealer mm. and he I think he hits the nail on the head where like he's obviously like he's coked out of his head he's sort of sniffly and twitchy and everything else but mm. it doesn't seem forced he's naturally portraying that but the others um, all their ochreisms their language the way they're saying things seem Fiz- forced to me yeah a bit forced yeah because yep. you could probably tell nathan i don't know nathan phillips seemed pretty genuine as like some sort of yeah weird he was pretty freaker. good yeah yeah actually what we should talk about is um what's her name Gillian alexi mm-hmm. how, how did you write a performance mate by the way i'm going to edit this out man her tits are beautiful she's pretty good Oh, they're she great. She's pretty good. She, There's she, a reason I remember her name 10 years later. Oh, mate. She she definitely has, um, what's that word, a seductiveness about her. And you could tell why yep. both blokes yearn for her. And even though she's obviously quite, actually, we didn't really talk about the, like, the deaf scene. It was, uh, you know, she was sort of into it. She liked the darkness. You know, she yeah, off- for sure. She offered Khan the bloody metal pipe. She encouraged him. She liked it. She got off over it. And, uh, and I think that yeah. ties into, you, you would have seen, cracker wouldn't you old Robbie Coltrane oh yeah, yeah. Um, anyway the whole sex and death mentality like mm. she she was getting off on it and that's I don't think it's any small coincidence that later that night she cheats on Jerry for the first time with Pete because he's a um, real man now he's a real man because he's killed someone by yep. the way I tell you what I really loved and I thought they did it the whole time so when they're having sex and they're just going across the carpet and they hit the wall I, in my mind, I remember the camera just staying above them, like a bird's eye view, but it cuts to a low angle shot. And I'm like, you know, that scene would have been perfect if the camera just purely stayed above them. Mm. Like, I don't think you needed another shot in there. And you just kept going for another 10 seconds, them just moving across the floor like a slug, her hitting her head against the wall. You just really need to see her facial expression, not really his, because I guess his mm. like physical performance of his body would see how sort of like angry and aggressive he is. Yeah. Um, and how... I think they already did that shot though with Jerry and her in the bed when he says, oh, I love you. And she's like, oh, don't say she don't mean, you know, like. That was a bit tighter. That shot was a bit tighter, but this shot was a bit higher up and wider. You could see a bit more of the room, but yeah, I might, I might steal that shot for my own work because I liked it. <laughs> All right. But yeah, it's, it's pretty, 
I don't think it was any coincidence that she's obviously was getting off on it. But then afterwards, you know, when they go back to the canal, she seemed almost like post-traumatic about it. Mm. I I think they was trying to show as like having a bit of guilt, but I think the guilt was only there because they're back at the scene. Mm. Uh, I don't think which is like firstly you've got you've got a a murder murdered in the place where he spends like sixty percent of his spare time. Then they're literally rolling out the police tape, and he's back at the scene of the crime watching them. Mm. And then he's at the funeral of the guy he murdered, like. He was going to get caught the whole bloody time. You know? <laughs> no, I did think that as well. I was like, mate, is anybody watching you? Maybe cops are watching you. Yeah. <laughs> You're pretty sus. You're a very sus bloke. Um, all right. Well, I don't really have anything more to add. And I think we've been talking for like fucking 40 minutes. Uh, that's all right. Whatever. We'll tighten it up. Uh, Enough of that. Yeah. So, yeah, I know that's it, mate.